Please keep your Bibles open to Revelation chapter 7. You may be a little bit surprised at the title of the message. Great Good News from the Great Tribulation. And it's all there. And may our eyes and hearts see it and rejoice. Father, we ask for the minister of the Spirit of God upon us. We thank you for this unveiling of Jesus Christ that is so special to us and that you have so much to reveal, Lord Jesus, about yourself and about your plans for us. And as other scripture says, they are for good and not for evil. Help us to be students of the word Help us to be those who apply the word to our own hearts that when we go out into our world, we can make a difference because people will see and hear and understand these people have been with Jesus. And for this we pray and give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As we know, the, re- the word revelation itself means unveiling the unveiling of Jesus Christ Uh, Jesus tells us in Luke's gospel disciples I've told you before and I want you to understand that everything in the Old Testament I'm paraphrasing but that's the essence of it it's about me Uh, the whole Bible you look for Jesus and Another thing that we look for is to whom is he speaking? And here is a book that in particular is speaking to his servants. So the unveiling of Jesus Christ given to the Apostle John, to the servants, the doulos, the love slaves. And we know going back to just quickly to chapter 1 that this is a book that is to be read, to be heard, to be kept. And it is especially for those redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And those who first got it were people in great persecution, tribulation. John describes the first recipients as his companions in tribulation. And so uh, we have, as we study through the book of Revelation, in particular, we look for Jesus. That's, that's the subject. And again, we look at those to whom the book is written. And uh, in Acts chapter 14, verse 21 and 22, um, and when they had preached the gospel in that city... They returned again unto Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I don't like any thought of any kind of trouble Tribulation. I don't want the air conditioner to go off. Uh, the air conditioner is... Uh, Dickie may want to ride home with someone else tonight. My car air conditioner has gone off. 
the fan works, but the juice is leaked out. So I don't like any inconvenience. I'm a spoiled American. But I can't let that affect what the Bible says and what we are told about uh, all through the Scripture. God's people suffer and experience uh, persecution. And the word inaction in many other places is that we must, through much uh, tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. So, in preparing for chapter 7, we go back to the end of chapter 6, and we were looking at this last week, where in the opening of the first five seals, there were counterfeits or uh, apostates, false teachers. Number two, war, famine, death, and persecution. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke say the same thing in the same sequence. And if you want to do a study of history for the last 2,000 years, uh, it ebbs and flows, but those are in sequence. And as we get closer to the return of the Lord, it gets more intense. So these things have been taking place. They're taking place today. And they will ultimately move to unheard of expressions in a very difficult way. Now, from our human point of view, all of these things just reveal what man is doing, and man is in control, and God is nowhere to be found. Have you ever watched or listened to the news and heard them talking about things that are false, counterfeits, and false teachers, war, famine, death, persecution? Haven't I just described the news? And how many times did they now say, now here's what God says about it? Or if you want to know what God says about it, go to the Bible. No, God God doesn't exist. Not only in the eyes of the people who are giving the news, but in many people who are sitting in church this morning, or even in the pulpits. It's almost like God has nothing to do with any of this. Where is he? Well, the opposite of all that is true. On every page in the Revelation, we are gloriously confronted with the sufficiency, the supremacy, and the and this, uh, sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is a book in the Bible that you would want to devour and understand, if there is a sense in your world where things are so difficult and intense, you need a consciousness of the presence of Jesus Christ... Do you need not to do do we not need to see him as all sufficient, supreme, sovereign? That's what the book is all about. The unveiling of Jesus Christ. And through the years, through all the years up to this point, troubled, oppressed saints have found encouragement and a fresh ability to resolve to press forward in the faith from reading. The grand unveiling of Jesus Christ. He said, but I don't understand it. It's because you've been reading it wrong. You've been reading it according to the prognosticators. You've been reading it according to the prophecy hobbies. Read it according to what it says. Don't read it necessarily according to the notes at the bottom of your Bible. Read it from the mindset, this is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. It changes everything. And it's a glorious change. 
So, in the latter part of uh, Revelation 6, the sixth seal, beginning in verse 12, reveals the signs and wonders in heaven that take place and sort of announcing what's coming next. And the whole world is going to understand uh, in some fashion that God is about to intervene. And so they're in great fear. And so in verse 14 through 17, that ends with the whole world is in an awareness of the wrath of the Lamb has come, and who shall stand? The wrath of the Lamb has come, and who shall stand? Now, we love and we will rejoice this morning at the Lord's table at the mercy of the Lamb, at the love of the Lamb, at the sacrifice of the Lamb, at the shed blood of the Lamb. And that is all through the revelation. Some 24 times he is referred to as what? The Lamb. So, but this says the great day of the Lamb's wrath has come. And who shall be able to stand? Now, in Romans 1, you'll remember that we have the revelation that the wrath of God is already happening. Here in Revelation 6, we're talking about the wrath of the Lamb that is coming, yet to be. And who shall stand? Well, no surprise, Revelation chapter 7, first three verses begin to give the answer. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, and the wind should not blow upon the earth or the sea or on any tree. And then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom was granted to harm the earth and sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their forehead. So, going back, Revelation 6, 12 through 17, the sixth seal is open. The end time wrath of the Lamb is about to begin. The world is in fear, and rightly so, because judgment is coming. But hold up. First, seal, protect God's redeemed from the wrath of the Lamb. 144,000 servants of our God are sealed. There in Revelation 3, 7, chapter 7, verses 1, 2, and 3. So in the New Testament, the focus, and this, this is a concept that is stated a number of times in the New Testament, the concept of the sealing of the Holy Spirit, and it always has to do revealing ownership, God's ownership of us, God's likeness that is developing in us because of the indwelling Holy Spirit, and God's protection. Not necessarily protection from the wrath of man or the wrath of Satan, but no child of God will be the subject of the the wrath of God. So here in Revelation 7, as we look into the future, the focus here is on, first of all, on the protection of 144,000 
servants. So then this continues in verse 4 through 8. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000. Of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Judah, Reuben, uh, Reuben, Gad, Asher, uh, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, uh, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. Each one of them had 12,000 that were sealed. You know what? God takes good care of his property. He takes good care of his property even though you might be one day regardless of the timing of end time events is happening right now in the world where we live it may not be happening in Gallatin but all over the world people are dying as martyrs for Jesus Christ and one of the things that this chapter will tell us before we're done is that what a glorious testimony now so, but as you look at these 12 tribes, some would say, oh, but there's a little problem. Because in the Old Testament, uh, some have suggested as many, I didn't go and count them, as many as 20 different variations of the list of the 12 tribes. Some will leave this one out and put this one in and this and that and the other. And so people turn tumultuous and do all sorts of things to try to explain all that. I'm not worried about that. Now, you can do your own study and come up to your own conclusion. Uh, there are different ways of listing the tribes of Israel. I believe that it is right to regard each one of those lists as legitimate, not merely the problem of a scribe, but as legitimate for purposes I do not know God has given these variations. I believe all of them are inspired and that they are exactly what they need to be. So, but who are these 144,000? Well, in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 7, they are identified as servants, love slaves of God, the children of Israel. Does it mean that there, uh, during this time period, are only 144,000 of such ones that are saved? That's possible. That may well be. Or, that number may represent, as many believe, as well as the other, that this represents the total number of those from the 12 tribes that will be saved. Now, it's not stated in these verses but I want to suggest to you that these sealed ones were saved or will be saved just like anybody else is saved. They're saved by, because God sovereignly chose to save them. That's how anybody gets saved. And you can read in Romans chapter 9 verses 13 down through 24. We don't have time for all of that now, but make a note of that, Romans 9, 13 through 24. And we are confronted with the reality where God says, by means of the Holy Spirit through Paul, 
Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Oh, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that shows mercy. For the scripture saith to Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared righteous in all the earth. Therefore he hath shown mercy to whom he will show mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why dost thou yet find fault? For who has resisted his will? Okay, God, I'm waiting for your answer. I assure you that most people don't like the answer. Here's the answer. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why has you made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel of honor and another of dishonor? Would, should, shouldn't we just humble ourselves and bow before the Lord and say, Lord, you're God, I'm not. Now, if you don't like the way God runs things, you go off somewhere and start your own universe. Otherwise, let's humble ourselves and rejoice and be astounded. Not that he didn't show mercy to everybody, but that he showed mercy to anybody, especially me. But these people were saved, just like anybody is saved, by the sovereign grace and mercy of God. Jesus paid their sin debt. He was not obligated to. It's how he still saves people, Jew or Gentile. How he saved the apostle Paul. And so, in verse 9 and 10, uh, Revelation chapter 7, he says, And I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So there, in verse 9, they are standing before the throne and before the Lamb. There's a great emphasis in this book on the throne of God and on the Lamb of God. You want some good news? God has a throne. And he's on it. And he's in charge. He rules over everything. Everything does his bidding. There are no stray molecules. Satan is out, not out there as a loose cannon uh, and at, at the end of a day say, hey, I pull one on God today. No, sir. God is God. That is a reason to be rejoicing. To come to this table a little bit later with profound thanksgiving. The central theme of 
this book, the book of Revelation, is the divine sovereignty of Almighty God and the Lamb. I would suggest to you that those first persecuted in tribulation saints, of which John was one, that when they began to read this, they got encouraged. Because it did not look like God was anywhere around. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we need the same comfort. We need to devour this book. We have growing fears about what may be happening or what may be coming. We're hearing things that we've never heard before. Have we had hot weather before? Yes. Have we had thousands of cows that just suddenly died because it's hot weather? Hmm. I was in some pretty hot weather in Georgia. Cows are pretty resilient. Something's going on. You can thing after thing of situation after situation after situation. We'll be told all this stuff and you say, how did that happen? They ain't going to tell you. But it's going to affect our lives. And so there's all kinds of things that are happening. And we have these growing fears about what may be happening. You know what? There are other people on the planet right now. They don't have that concern. They're not concerned about what may happen. They're in the middle of what is happening. Martyrdom in massive scale in the world in which we live. Privation, famine, etc., etc. But so, we're looking at this great multitude of people, and the thing that we need to not miss is that this scene is a scene where the great reality is the throne of God. In his sovereignty. Now, so further about these people, in chapter 7, they show this great multitude in great victory. Charles Spurgeon said the palm, the ensign of, the, of triumph, indicates most certainly a conflict and conquest. As on earth, a palm would not be given if not won. The Lord would not have distributed these palm branches unless there had been a preceding war and victory. From the very fact that the glorified carry palms, we know that they did not come from beds of sloth, gardens of pleasure, palaces of ease, or from churches Full of entertainment. Now that's my addition. They had not just left the average church service in America. But they had endured hardness. And they had been trained and schooled to be soldiers of the cross. And that's true for 2,000 years. And that's going to be true for these people. And if we want to put these strictly as and call them people 
coming out of the great tribulation is true of them. The only difference is the intensity of what they're facing. Notice our praise, verse 10. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Having an emblem of righteousness, white robes, they worship God for salvation. They recognize that God is the source of salvation and no one else. Salvation is not something we earn, it is something that is given. Verse 11 and 12, and all the angels stood round about the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. No, they did not fall backwards. No, there were no catchers. All of that is abomination. It is not from God. Consistently in the Bible, when people encounter a direct encounter with God, they fall forward on their faces. And saying the praise in the Revelation, we've gone through this before. It's a good study to go through the whole book of Revelation and look at all the sections that have praise that is said or sung. And it's glorious that God did it that way because all of you who can't sing a lick, you ain't left out. You can participate just as gloriously. Singing, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Verse 13 and 14, then one of the elders answered saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. KJV leaves out the word the. I don't have a problem either way. And washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, I want you to notice something here. All of my life, I don't know about yours, but all of my life, when anybody has talked about the great tribulation, they've talked about how horrible it is, and how glad they're going to be that they won't be in it. And, and some people will, they'll fight you over this. And if you, do you believe in Christians are going to go through the great tribulation? If you say yes, they'll defriend you. All Christians will go through great tribulation in varying degrees all who are redeemed by the blood of the lamb may well not be in the time period of the great tribulation but here's the thing notice the grand truth from this glorious praise this outstanding biblical truth about those who come out of the great tribulation they don't have a word to say about how bad that time was not a word how horrible it was no the the numberless multitude saved redeemed during the days of the great tribulation come out praising no regrets 
So many saints in our day miss the main truth. Whether you will or will not be in the great tribulation, this is a great passage to see how to respond to tribulation. And I'll tell you, if it's on your plate, you're going to think it's great tribulation. Like the Chinese seminary student in uh, a missionary in Japan, Wallen Reisner, teaching on prophecy. May have been in the book of Revelation. He asked the students, who do you think the Antichrist is? And they had different answers. And the Chinese student said, Mao Zedong, the great Chinese leader that murdered millions of Christians. And the class laughed. We know it wasn't Mao Zedong. And while in reason, wisely said, don't laugh. If you had been through what he had been through, if your loved ones had faced what his loved ones had faced, you'd think it was Mao Zedong also. These, this is a very humbling passage. It's a, it's a very astounding passage. It's a passage that says, in spite of this, whether you are in the tribulation or whether you're not, whether you're raptured out or whether you're not, we experience troubles, trials, tribulation on this earth. And none of God's children get a raw deal. But one pastor said, I don't know about you, but I'm not waiting for the Antichrist. I'm not waiting for the tribulation. I could care less about being around. I want to be with Christ. I want to be with, with Jesus. Well, I don't know any Christians that are waiting for the Antichrist or waiting for the great tribulation. But these are things we need to care about. Because... First John two eighteen and nineteen. We're already in a world where little letter A and the Christ are roaming around, even in the first century. So here is a whole chapter about millions who believe in Jesus so strong that they are willing not only to live for Him but die for Him. Have you ever been awed by that when thinking about the Great Tribulation? Wow! The greatest thing that I've seen about the whole doctrine of the Great Tribulation is that there are tribulation saints. Maybe we won't be among them, but there are millions of them, and they love Jesus so much they're willing to die for him. Am I? Even in the world where I live? Am I willing to stand for Jesus unashamed? Without compromise? Because Jesus is worthy. Oh, I want to be with Jesus. Well, would you really like to have an experience with Jesus? Well, you read your Bible and you found out that Jesus, maybe it's the wrong word to say Jesus has a habit of this, but we can certainly say that Jesus has demonstrated that when one of his children believe in him so strongly, they're willing to stand for Jesus Christ no matter the opposition, humbly, boldly stand for Christ, and as they're doing it, they're being stoned to death, Jesus stands to attention. 
The scripture is opened up and he is standing. He likes what he's seeing. He gives special revelation to Stephen. Would you like some special revelation from Jesus? And then let you and I go out into our world and walk with him and stand for him and be unashamed of him. Another Bible teacher said, There is no purpose for the church during the Great Tribulation. This will be a time of God's judgment upon the unbelieving Gentiles and Jews who rejected God's grace and love and mercy expressed in Jesus. The symbolic imagery of the New Testament focuses on the church as being the bride of Christ. Is the bridegroom going to beat up his bride for seven years before he comes after her? I think not. Hmm. Now, there's a strong possibility, possibility, and for many of you, it's not a possibility. It's a certainty. And that's fine. That's what I was taught. I don't believe it as strongly now. If that's what God has, I'm all for it. But do you realize what that is, what that is saying? That if one of his redeemed goes to the great tribulation, it is because... I mean, Jesus is not going to have any of his redeemed in the great tribulation. Because he's not going to beat up on his bride. You say, well, he's not going to beat up on the bride, but he is going to beat up on the tribulation saints. Are you kidding me? Let's make a clear distinction. We have the bride of Christ. Now we have tribulation saints, millions of them. And for seven years, Jesus beats up on them. That's heresy. To say that Jesus would beat up on any of his redeemed. In the last of the last days, at one and the same time, wicked men are, will be doing evil. On steroids the closer we get to return of Christ and so will Satan and at the same time as we've already seen from Revelation chapter 6 the wrath of the lamb heats up gets personal on planet earth and he does that without beating up on any of his sheep Tribulation saints are not. He didn't beat up on Israel when he delivered them from Egypt. And the death angel came over the land. He didn't beat up on Noah. He hasn't beaten up on any of his children. Many have been martyrs. Many are becoming martyrs. Many are martyrs today. Many will be. During the great tribulation. The Lamb will save multitudes. Another has said the purpose of Bible prophecy is to comfort us. You cannot possibly comfort me by telling me that I will go through the tribulation. Well, you're right. I can't and have no interest in trying. But I can just tell you this, and I tell myself this. For those 
for whom Jesus is worth living for and worth dying for? Revelation 7 is great news. Let's place ourselves among those gathered and hearing the book of Revelation being read for the very first time. They are among John's company of companions in tribulation. Many of their loved ones had already been martyred. John was in exile. Today, in Africa, in Asia, many places, there are at this very moment people weeping. Their loved ones have just been martyred. Slaughtered by the whole tribes in some places. Or the whole congregation. Whether it's in Africa, Asia, or whether it's for people first reading this. When they read chapter 7, or it was read. They had to be comforted. They were comforted. This vast multitude from every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation rescued for, for God's kingdom. Extreme trouble on earth. Great tribulation. On the earth, they lived at a time, certainly those in the great tribulation as believers lived during a time of judgment and wrath that God is beginning to pour out. As I said earlier, experiencing the wrath of man and Satan on steroids, but no wrath from God. And so as they're reading this, they get to verse 7 through 17 of chapter 7, and they see this numberless multitude, and they're worshiping. They're praising. Where'd they come from? These are people who went through the great tribulation. Now they're on the other side of it. And so it continues. Therefore they are before the, verse 15, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them and they shall hunger no more. You ever get to that chapter, chapter 13, I think it is in Revelation, where it talks about you can't buy or sell? That's scary. Well, whenever that day comes that that's specifically talking about, it's exactly what has happened throughout the centuries on various occasions, where evil men, in trying to get Christians to break and renounce Jesus Christ, starved them to death have done un, un, unimaginable tortures. But what does Romans 8 says? The suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be. And they hunger no more. Neither thirst anymore. Neither shall the sun light on them. Not any, nor any heat. For the Lord, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them. 
and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all their tears, all the tears from their eyes. Somebody needs to tell you and I the truth. We're not there yet. Regardless of prophecy timing, we're in a time of suffering. Tears, death, dying, persecution. Don't be surprised. But do not forget to take the long view. It's not just a better day coming. It's coming to be in the presence of Jesus Christ for all eternity. And you'll have no regrets, no matter how bad it was here. No matter if right now you say, well, I'm, praise God, I'm going to miss the tribulation. Good. That's wonderful. But you'll have tribulation, but just maybe not that. Doesn't matter where you are in this present broken world. There's suffering. There's tears. But one day, for all eternity, no more. No more. And all of this was, is procured for us because of what Jesus did at Calvary. Don't be afraid to look honestly at the Word of God and don't let a preconceived idea about things keep you from taking a serious look at persecution, tribulation. It's happening now. This is very serious. You know why? Jesus warns that many will be offended. Many will endure for a while, but tribulation or persecution come because of the word of God, and by and by, they are offended. I remember the first time I preached, I don't remember what year it was, but early on in ministry here, I preached some sermons similar to this. I think there were six families that left and never came back. They didn't want to hear it. In my humanness, I don't want to hear it. But as a child of God, I want to believe the word of God. And I want to say it is a glorious thing to have such a faith in Jesus Christ that you believe he is worthy that you live for him. And he's worthy if he so wills that you die for him. He died for us. Our Father, help us to see the great wonder and the great joy for all eternity in heaven. Whether we suffered much on this earth, whether we are among those who are in what is called the great tribulation, no matter what era of time, what a wonderful thing to know. Not only that our sins are forgiven, but that we have the privilege of what Paul talked about. It has been given unto us, not only to believe on his name, but to suffer for his namesake. Help us to own it as a privilege, not to look for somebody to help us to feel nice and cozy and warm. Help us to receive the word in, earlier in one of the chapters in the Revelation where Jesus says, Be thou faithful unto death. We praise you and bless you for you're worthy of worship. 
and worthy of praise and worthy that you follow you, that we follow you. Worthy that we say no to sin, self, and Satan and say yes to Jesus every time. And for this we pray and give thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen.